Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 through 30, and it says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And the one to whom the Son will reveal him. Verse 28, powerful verse. Many of us know it already. It says, come to me. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, come to me. Say, hold up, not that close. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Look what verse 29 says. is, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find, watch this, rest. And it's a particular kind of rest. It says, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can we just kind of leapfrog over to um, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 2. Powerful words from Peter that he's communicating to his reader. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires. Now look what he says that these worldly desires do. They wage war against your very souls. I think that's worth reading again. It says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. We bow our heads for a moment and close our eyes as we ask God to just enter this moment and speak to us. God, we want you to join me in this prayer. God, we, we're so grateful that we can be in your courts today. We thank you that, Lord, when we sing, oh God, it's to escort people into your presence, God, but at the end of the day, it's really an audience of one. It is you whom we sing for. It is you whom we speak for, God, and just I just pray, Lord, in the next few moments that your spirit may really, really touch people's lives today, God. That we may walk out of this place in a manner, oh God, that says we've been touched by our God. We've been touched by the creator of the universe. We've been touched by our heavenly father. And so I thank you, God, that you give me the amazing opportunity to pastor this amazing church. And Lord, that you give me the amazing opportunity to be married to the most gorgeous woman on the planet, Lisa Remedios. And Lord, I just thank you. And I'm praying for Conor McGregor that he will knock out Floyd Mayweather in the first four rounds in the name of Jesus. And all God's people shout, amen and amen. <laughs> Can we give God a praise one more time? Come on, you guys sounded like you needed to eat your Wheaties today. Uh, uh, do we have any married folk in the house? Mar do we got any happily married folk in the house? Do we got any people in the house that are like, marriage ain't for me. I ain't never getting married again in my life. I'm just joking. Don't raise your hand. We'll pray for you. Uh, me and my wife, many of you know, next week, me and my wife will make six years of marriage. I shared that last week, right? Six years of marriage is like, um, you know, 25 years in Hollywood years. And uh, I'm just so grateful that I can be married to someone for that long. Um, and so last week I shared some stories. And, and this week I want to continue in that same vein because I am married to an amazing woman. And I remember when, uh, many of you guys may not know this, but my wife is from Brooklyn originally. And apparently when you're from Brooklyn, you're cousins with everyone. And, um, and I remember when we, <laughs> so everybody knows that, oh, you from Brooklyn? Yo, from downtown 47 and 5th. Shut up. Um, and uh, I remember when we first got married, Lisa and I, we were, uh, how do you say, she wasn't used to the quiet sleep in Staten Island. And so she comes from a place 
Uh, apparently, there's nothing like sirens and gunshots that can put you right to sleep while you're sleeping in your bed. And so my wife comes from this place where she hears the train, she hears the sirens, she hears everything. And then she comes to Staten Island, and all she hears is crickets, right? And I, and I remember that the first few weeks, this was a serious thing, my wife couldn't sleep. And not because there was noise, it's because there wasn't any noise. And she couldn't sleep, and I remember my wife, the, one, of the, one of those times, she, my wife, is, she's, uh, she's, she's trying to fall asleep. I'm, guess what I'm doing? I'm in my third dream right now. I'm out. You know why? Because it was quiet, right? So I'm falling asleep, and my wife is up. She's sitting up, and she's like, she's tapping me, and she's like, did you hear that? And I was like, what? What, what, what did I hear? I heard a noise. I was like, baby, just go to sleep. She's like, no, no, it's too quiet. But, and I, I hear every noise. I'm like, baby, it's okay. Just go to sleep. And, you know, what do I do? I turn over. Yes? Baby, I can't sleep. Why? There's no noise. Did you hear that? And I'm like, baby, that's just outside. That's just probably like just wind. She's like, no, 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 no. That wasn't wind. I'm like, baby, just go to sleep. So I kind of turn over, and then you hear the noise again. It's like a, a rattling noise, right? And she's like, and my wife leaps off the bed. She's like, oh, that wasn't, a, that wasn't no noise. I'm going over there. And she runs to the kitchen. And of course, you know, at this point, I'm like, I know that's a noise, but I refuse. She's like, no, someone's trying to break in. Someone's trying to break in. Let me, someone's trying. So uh, you know what I do? I'm like, I'm falling asleep. I'm out. This is a true story. I can't make this up. It's a true story. She runs to the kitchen, and she's just like in full Metal Gear Solid mode, just looking outside the window. And I said, I, I got to get up now. You know what I mean? Because I refuse for her to tell the story that she fought off a robber while I was sleeping in bed. I refuse. I got to get up now, and I got to fight this guy. Uh, and I thought that because... Uh, have you ever been disrupted while you were sleeping? Right? Like, there's been times that my stepchildren have walked into the room and caught a ninja kick almost to the jaw piece because they disrupted my sleep. And I think this actually paints a pretty good picture of what it looks like sometimes in life when we're at a place of rest, when we're at a place of peace, when we're at a place of tranquility, oh, did you hear that? It's the birds chirping. Oh, isn't this amazing? Someone cuts you off. Oh. And your peace is disrupted. Your rest is disrupted. And here's what I believe. I believe that there are things that Peter is trying to communicate. He's saying, hey, man, there are things that are going to constantly look to disrupt your pattern of rest. I want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to give them the title to this message. Tell them, soul cleanse. Tell them, soul cleanse. Not soul train, relax. Soul cleanse. Because here's the deal. There is a war being waged against your soul. Look what Peter says. He says, dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners. He's saying, hey, man, I want you to know you don't belong to this world, so don't get too accustomed to the philosophies and the thoughts and the patterns of this world. He says, look what he says. He says, keep away from worldly desires that what? Wage war against your very soul. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, there are some desires of this world, and he's not talking about earth. He's talking about a system of life. There is a system of feelings, uh, wage war, desires, that's feelings. He says, he says there is a system of feelings that come upon you, and when they get on the inside of you, they begin to pick at you and interrupt the peace and the tranquility and the rest that you have. Now, he, he's not saying they kind of do this as a, as a sidebar kind of thing. No, he's saying they are waging War And some of us, if we were honest, we kind of live life like there isn't a war happening. Let's be honest. We kind of live life that, oh, my God, we're just, some of us are just like prancing like little gazelles. And 
while there's a war being waged against your soul. And so what Peter says, he says, listen, I want you to abstain from the system of this world. In other words, the system of your flesh, your fleshly desires that when they rise up, they get all deep inside of you. And next thing you know, your soul is being contaminated by a system that was never meant for you to adopt. And so I want to share with you five things. Everybody say five things. Five things that will perpetually seek to contaminate your soul. Now you say five things. I, I might not get to all five things. And maybe you're saying, uh, are, are these it? No, there are a lot more that can wage war. There are a lot of worldly desires that will start waging war against your soul. But I believe there are about five primarily that we, maybe everybody in this room will deal with. And and maybe you, don't, you might say, well, I don't deal with none of these five. Then maybe you should be in the kids' ministry and you're five years old. Um, you could go to the kids' ministry. But for the rest of us, we might deal with these desires and feelings that try to wage war against our soul. Look what 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says. It says, dear friends, we have these promises from God. So we should make ourselves pure Free from anything that makes our body and our soul unclean. Our respect for God should make us try to be completely holy in the way we live. See, I believe these are the things that will begin to get so deep on the inside of us. Next thing you know, we're never, we never become the person that God has called us to be. We'll never be able to live at the optimal, optimal level of life because these things come in slowly because the truth is the journey or the destination of big destruction is made with very small steps. And what happens is as these things begin to, they're toxic for our soul and they begin to get on the inside of us and they begin to change us into someone we were never meant to be. And then, all it's, then we end up in the place of destruction, not realizing that we just took baby steps to the place of large destruction. Write this down. Number one, I want you to write this down. Number one, offense. That'll knock the applause out of everyone. Look at the person next to you. Tell them offense. No, nah, but tell them like you're from Brooklyn, like you, like you was neighbors with Lisa. Tell them Offense. Say, don't offend me, but I could offend you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> See, sometimes it starts as something too small, and it gets planted like a seed in the soil of your soul, and it begins to grow and morph into unforgiveness. Unforgiveness now is birth, and unforgiveness begins to grow and develop, and now you have bitterness. See, it starts with offense. Someone shout offense. It starts with being offended. From offense, it then now impregnates you because the seed has been planted. Hear me. Now you are impregnated with offense. You then now give birth to unforgiveness. And now you allow the unforgiveness to grow. And next thing you're, you know, you, are, you have to deal with a child that's in your life called bitterness. And now you have to manage that child because you have to deal with the bitterness. You have to deal with the unforgiveness. You have to deal with the offense. And it starts with baby, baby steps. Here's the truth. Revelation right here. You're going to be offended. That was a good time to say amen. amen. You're going to be offended. Guess what? Someone's going to say something to you they shouldn't have said. Someone's going to do something to you they shouldn't have done. Someone is not going to do something you expected them to do. And someone is not going to defend you in the times and they're going to stay shut when they should have defended you. You are going to be offended. If you're looking for opportunities to be offended in this world, let me tell you, there are plenty of them. Someone shout offense. And so what, end up, what, end, what ends up happening is, is that we become offended and now we are hurt people. And you know the saying, hurt people, hurt people. Say that with me. Hurt people, hurt people. And now you've got a cycle of hurting people, hurting people. But you're going to be offended. 
guess what? You're going to go to work, and you're going to be offended. You're going to go home, and you're going to be offended. Here, Revelation right here. You might go to church. And you might get offended. You, you, in the least place you may expect it, you might get offended. And ultimately what happens is that when people become offended, they become hurt. And now you've got churches filled of hurting people that are hurting people. Instead of hurting people that are willing to help people, we have a church filled with hurting people that are hurting people. I can't tell you how many times people have said, I've gone to the church and I've been hurt. I spoke to this person and I've been hurt. And it all started with offense. Someone shout offense. But here's the difference. Here's the difference. There's a difference between being offended or there's a difference between offense and taking offense. See, I got to choose, I got to choose in my life whether I'm going to remain offended. This, this is good stuff. This, this is good stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this on podcast. I'm going to choose whether I'm going to remain offended because here's the deal. There's a difference between being offended, I'm going to be offended, but it doesn't mean that I have to take offense. It doesn't mean that I have to remain offended. Because ultimately what happens is, is that the cycle of hurting people, hurt people, hurt people, and now we, we then preach this to our kids. You, you're, gonna, you're not going to let no one hurt you. you, you you're not going to let no one hurt you. Ain't no man going to ever hurt you. Ain't no woman ever going to take you for a sucker. What? They took your lunch money, you eat them for lunch. You're not going to be hurt. And now it becomes a generational curse because guess what? We are making someone else pay for an offense they never committed. So because they hurt you 10 years ago, because they cheated on you 10 years ago, because they betrayed you 10 years ago, because someone said something to you, now you take offense, now it's unforgiveness, now it's bitterness, and someone is there left trying to compete to undo what someone did in your life, and they are now living up to an expectation that they will never meet in your life because they're competing with someone they don't even know. Oh, that was good. You gave God some praise right there. Someone shout offense. So I want to give you this scripture here. Colossians chapter 3. Look what it says. Colossians chapter 3 verse 11. It says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric uncivilized. Look what it says. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Look what verse 12 says. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Look what it says. It says, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, and gentleness and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must first forgive others. Look what he's saying. He says, hey, don't walk out in the streets emotionally naked. Oftentimes, let's be honest, we walk out there and our emotions are just all over the place. We're going to the beach with our emotions. And God is saying, no, you need to clothe yourself with what? Clothe yourself with some humility. Clothe yourself with some tender-hearted mercy. Clothe yourself with before they can ever get to your soul, they got to deal with humility. They got to deal with tender-hearted. They got to deal with gentleness. They got to deal with patience. By the time they get to your soul, you're ready to forgive them. Come on, somebody. He says, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive other. Where's the power? Where's the power? Is the power in my forgiveness? No. The power is in me remembering. 
I got to remember that the Lord forgave me. How did he forgive me? He forgave as quickly and completely as the master has forgiven you. How do I forgive? I forgive as quickly as Jesus forgave me. When did Jesus, when did Jesus forgive me? Did he forgive me when I offended him? No, he, he forgave me before I offended him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that my soul is already positioned in a posture, prepared to forgive you? Did you catch that? My soul is already positioned in a posture to forgive. It says, give each other, I'm, I'm about to save some marriages right here. Give each other allowances for forgiveness. He says, give each other allowances for faults. He says, you're already positioned in such a way that if someone offends you, oh man, it's all right. Hey, don't worry, I was already ready for that. I was already ready to forgive you. I was already ready to say, hey, it's no problem. Hey, you want to go out to lunch? Hey, let's go outside. Hey, don't worry about that. My heart is already positioned. Can you imagine the level of forgiveness that will, that will mean to a world that we live in today? We live in a world today that there is hatred being permeated all over this world. Can you imagine why? Because there is no tolerance for offense. There is no tolerance for disagreement. There is no, what, you disagree with me? That means you hate me. But what if I'm already ready to forgive you even before you offended me? Can you imagine what kind of church we would be if it was filled with people ready to forgive every offender that came through those doors? They're going to hate you. They're going to criticize you. But I'm already prepared. I'm already positioned. I'm already in a posture ready to forgive every offense that comes my way. Jesus says, I forgive you so quickly, man. I forgive you even before you offended me. Can you, Im can you imagine that? Jesus forgave you even before you offended him. I don't know about you, but that, that's crazy. If, if I knew my son was going to offend me, or if I knew my wife was going to offend me a year from now, and I had that knowledge, woo, I'd argue with her today. I ain't waiting a year. What? My son? If my son, if I knew my son was going to fail high school, he's in junior high school. If I knew my son was going to fail high school, I'd wake him up with a beating today. He'd wake up with the belt right up on his back. Psh, psh. Why were you hitting me for? I didn't do anything. Oh, you're going to do something three years from now. But Jesus says, hey, the same way I forgave you, you go and forgive others. Write this down. I have to choose. I have to choose. I have to choose to release forgiveness instead of holding grudges. I have to choose to release, everyone shout release. This is gonna help you on your Monday. To release forgiveness or instead, instead of holding grudges. How did Jesus forgive me? Look at this. He says, two, I want you, I need you to help me out here. Two other, others, both criminals, were taken along with him for execution. When they got to the place called Skull Hill, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on the right, the other on his left. And Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. What did he pray? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Okay, okay. They, they clearly know, Jesus, that they are putting nails in your hands and they're hurting you. Jesus, they clearly know that they are offending you. They clearly know that they are literally killing you slowly. What do you mean? And Jesus says, nah, they don't know what they're doing. Why? Because Jesus was already predetermined to forgive even before the offense ever happened. I'm going I'm to share something with you. Maybe some of you may have heard this already. I'm going to share something, five words, the sp five spiritual words you could ever say in your life. You ready for this? Five spiritual words. You ready? I want you to say this with me. First word, they. Everybody shout they. they. Everybody shout they. they. No, I need, you, I, need, I need you to help me out. We, they. they. Say they. they. 
Say they. they. One more time. They. they. Spiritual word right there. Number two. Just. just. Nah, come on. Come on, crew. How? Just. Don't. No. Say it again. Don't. No. 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 Better. Better. Someone could help John out right there. You can join him in that applause. <laughs> Say that with me. Say they. they. Just. Just. Don't. No. no. Better. Better. Speed it up. They. they. Just. Don't know better. Come on, think of someone and say, they just don't know better. Speed it up. They just don't know better. They just don't know better. They don't know better. Say, they just don't know better. They don't know better. Say, they just don't know better, they don't know better, they, they just don't know better. Five spiritual words, it'll transform your life. I remember I was preparing the message, and I remember I was driving across the, the Gothel's Bridge, and I was preparing this sermon, and the Holy Spirit was in the car, and I was like, they just don't know better, they don't know better, they, they just don't know better, they don't know better. I was in the Holy Spirit. It was like, whoa, and I'm there, and I'm... And I'm singing this song, and I'm like, they, and I'm watching, I'm driving, they just don't know. Oh, this is going to be good, Pastor Ro. Amen, Pastor Ro. This is going to be good. They just don't know better. They don't know better. They, they just, I pull up to the parking spot. I can't find no parking. I see a guy coming out of his car. He's coming out of the parking spot, rather. And he's back, he's uh, 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 reversing. And I'm there, and I have my signal on. And you all know what happened, because it's happened to you. A car comes out of nowhere. Watch this, watch this. And I open my car to let him know, hey, I was waiting for that parking spot. Keep in mind, they just don't know. My man gets out of the car. He looks at me. He goes, And I open my door and I'm ready to, ooh, 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 and I close my door. They just don't know better. They don't know better. Say they just don't know better. They don't know better. Say they just don't know better. They give God some praise in this house. I have to have to. But Pastor Roe, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know the wounds. You don't know the hurt. Listen, I could tell you if Jesus Christ did it. If Jesus Christ said, hey man, they don't even know what they're doing. No, Jesus, let me, let me give you a pep talk, Jesus. They know exactly what they were doing. Nah, man, Jesus will tell you, nah. They didn't know. They just don't know better. I, I, I love, I take such encouragement and inspiration from my wife that she was able to look at her abuser in the eye and the Holy Spirit said he didn't even know what he was doing because he did what he was doing because it was done to him. And she was able to look at her abuser in the eye and say, I forgive you, I love you, I don't hold anything against you. Here's the truth, five words, you didn't know better. They just don't know better. So I got to choose whether I'm going to let offense go or I'm going to let offense grow. I have to choose if, if I'm going to release forgiveness or I'm going to hold on to grudges. Number two, write this down. Comparison. Comparison. Oh, this is one of those, oh, I don't deal with that. No, really? I don't. Comparison is one of those, it, it's really one of those underestimated toxins that enter your soul. 
Comparison is one of those things that it creeps in and before you know it, you are so dissatisfied with your life that you are, your rest is being disturbed. Your soul is anxious. And it's all because comparison has taken root in your heart. And here's the truth. Today, we live in a day and age that the only thing we got to do to compare is, well, we got to pick up our phone. We got to pick up our cell phone and we kind of scroll through social media. Let's see what's happening. How many of you guys, be, you, got, you still got booger eyes. You got booger eyes, okay? And you don't even know where the phone, you know where the phone is only out of memory. Booger eyes. And you're looking at your phone and you're scrolling. It's like, uh huh. You got people take pictures of their food. Right? You take a picture of your food. So I mean, filet mignon, hold on. And you take so many pictures that your food gets cold. <laughs> Just got to get the right lighting. And we're all photographers. Now. And then we upload it, right? Hashtag blast. <laughs> Hashtag favor ain't fair. <laughs> Hashtag I'm eating this and you ain't. Right? And then you're scrolling down your timeline, and I don't know if it's, if it's happened to you. Maybe I'm the only one. And, and all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're discontent. You're looking at your, oh, man. My husband don't make me smile like that. Look at the smile on her face. Oh, their marriage looks amazing. Look what God gave me. Oh, their marriage. Oh, my God. They went on that vacation. Oh. Man, I can only go across the bridge. The only, the only cruise I ever took was the ferry. Oh, and you're, you're dissatisfied because you have compared your life with someone else's. And now you're, you're saying they got a better house than you. And, oh, they got a better, oh, man, they got a better car than me. They got a better vacation than me. Oh, they're blessed. And, and here's the root of comparison is discontentment. It's a lack of contentment. The root of comparison is you saying to God, God, I'm really not happy with the portion that you've given me. And we don't, we don't admit it, but functionally, this is how we operate. If we were to be honest here, we, we wouldn't, how do you know if you got more or less anyway, unless you compare it with someone else? How many of you guys got five fingers? If we had a room full of people with six fingers, you'd be like, where's my sixth one? Right? Let's be honest. I'm fine with five fingers, but the moment the world has six, God, why did you just give me five fingers? Everybody else got six. I'm fine with two arms, but if the world had four, oh, man, why does Sheila have two arms, four arms? I only got two. Oh, man, why does Zab got four legs? I only got two. But we do this with our life because ultimately what we're saying to God with our action is, God, I'm really not content with the portion you have given me. Ultimately, this is what we're telling God. And what happens is it, it begins to destroy our soul on the inside. And it sucks the life out of you when you start being comparing yourself with someone else and what God give, has given them. And, and look what happened in the garden. That What happened in the garden was, was that Eve was given everything. What did God say? He said, you could eat of any fruit in the garden. Didn't he say that? He said, you could eat of any fruit in the garden. He says, you see all them trees? They're all yours. What did she want? The only one that she couldn't have. Notice that God stacks the odds for you. Notice that God says, hey, you see that tree? That's yours. You see that tree? That's yours. And what did the enemy do? He says, he says hey, man, did God really say that? Look what he says. He says, if you, you think that if you eat of this fruit, you're going to die. But I'll tell you, if you eat of this fruit, you'll become like God. See, the enemy will make you think you are not something that God has already called you to be. Does anybody want to join room? And I'm going to give you another opportunity right now. 
try to tell you you need something, and we live in a day and age that we have more than we've ever had, yet we want more than we ever did. I, I, I think that if we were to be honest with, with ourselves, many times we are. And discontent, listen, contentment doesn't mean you're, you're settling. Contentment doesn't mean that you don't have ambition. Contentment you don't, doesn't mean that you don't have goals. What it means is this, contentment is this, I am settled with the portion God has given me, and yes, I aspire for more, yes, I desire more, but not at the expense of taking for granted what God has given me. Discontentment is saying, I'm dissatisfied with what I have, but contentment says, hey, I'm going to be content with my portion instead of coveting what others have. Can we put that up? I have to choose. Say, I have to choose to be content with my portion instead of coveting what someone else has. What if, what if I said, what if I said to you today, maybe one of the most spiritual things you could ever do is, is say this, I'm going to and I don't want to be that guy. Hear me. I remember growing up, they were like, oh, the TV's of the devil. Throw it out. Like it has demons in it. It'll come out. That's where they got the ring inspiration. <laughs> Throw out the TVs. I don't want to be that guy. But look, what if, what if we said, you know what, for seven days, I'm going to delete my social media. That'll suck the applause out of a room real quick. Like some of you guys are like, huh? No, please. No, Pastor Rob, please. Pastor Rob, please. Pastor, no, please, not, not social media, please. What am I going to do without social media? Read a book, spend time with the kids, go outside, breathe the fresh air. <laughs> Everybody's like, is he, really, is he really serious? He brought me to this church for them to tell me to delete my social media? No, but what if we took maybe a couple of days and said, you know what? I'm just going to be fully present where I am. I've had to maybe delete some social media apps from my phone just to say, you know what? It's not healthy for me right now. It's not good for me right now. I want to be fully satisfied with what God has given me. And I refuse to allow comparison to seep in the depths of my soul. You can give God some praise in this house all over this room. We, you ever heard this verse? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You ever heard that verse? If you've been in church even a couple of years, you know that verse. We get tattoos. We get all that. I'm, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to swim. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do everything I can do because I'm going to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That don't mean that. Look at the verse right before it. Look at this. Look at this. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. Someone shout learn. I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full or to be hungry. Both. To abound and to suffer need. You can say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, my situation and my circumstance are not going to dictate if I can do all things through Christ. Because it's not them that empower me. It's Christ that empowers me. Therefore, I can be below and I'm still going to prosper. Yeah, I can be high and I'm still going to prosper. I can be hungry or I can look like Pastor O with a full belly. But I'm going to prosper because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to be satisfied with what God has given me. And I want to run through these last three. Number three, anger. Someone shout anger. James says, he says, dear brothers and sisters, always be more willing to listen than to speak. Keep control of your anger. Look at the person next to you. Tell him he's talking to you. He says, anger, watch this, watch this, watch this. 
anger does not help you to live the way God wants. Anger does not help you live the way God wants. Another version says, anger does not produce the righteousness of God in your life. And you know who we blame for our anger, right? Other people. Let's be honest, but I've learned, let me, let me tell you, one of the things I've learned, even through going through counseling sessions, is that no one can make you angry. Can you take that out of your vocabulary from now on? Stop saying, oh, but you made me angry. That's one of the things that me and my wife had to stop doing. In our, you had to see the wonders that it did in our marriage. I refuse to say, oh, you no, know, but you made me angry. No, you, I make myself angry. You might tempt me to become angry, but it's ultimately my decision whether I'm going to be angry or I'm going to let it go. Look what he says. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. <laughs> Fools give full vent to their rage. Who? Fools. Pastor Roe, you calling me a fool? No, the Bible is. Fools give full rent, vent to their rage. Oh, just let me in. Oh, oh, you stepped on my toe. Oh, you cut me off. Oh, your anger, full vent. To, but, look, but the wise bring calm in the end. But the why, listen, I'm going to choose, write this down, to keep my peace rather than losing my temper. <laughs> Could you imagine what it would look like with all that's going on in the world if people said, I'm going to choose. Someone shout, I'm going to choose. <laughs> I wish someone was catching this. I'm going to choose to keep my peace instead of losing my temper. Yes, the political climate looks disastrous. Pastor Roe, you should talk about more about the political climate. Hey, listen, we don't got a political problem. We don't got a people problem. What we have is a Jesus problem. And so I have to choose to allow the peace of Jesus be within me rather than lose my temple. A fool gives full vent. No wonder our political climate looks foolish. Because it's a bunch of people that are giving full vent to their rage. No, I'm going to choose to keep my peace, baby. Say what you say about me. I'm going to choose to keep my peace. Talk about me all you want. I'm going to choose. Disagree with me. I'm going to choose to keep my peace rather than lose my temper. You made me mad? No, I made me mad. And when I make myself mad, that means I hold myself accountable. Does anybody hear me? Am I helping anyone in this house? Number four, write this down, pride. This is not speaking about, like, I'm proud of you. This is, speaking of proud that, this is speaking about a pride that says, I don't need any help. And your soul becomes toxic when you begin to say, I got this. I don't need any help. I, I got to do this on my own. I got I to gotta figure this out. It's funny because we were just talking about this, Brother Joe. And Brother Joe, was, he was back there and he was setting up Pipe and Drape. Can we just give a shout out to all our team members that are here, that they make this happen. We make this happen. God uses you for this purpose. And there's people here from 730 in the morning. And if you can see, the Pipe and Drape is to help shrink the room and keep everybody up close and personal where we can smell each other's breath. And, and we set up these lights. And, and all this is, a, is really a method. It's not really the mission. But the mission is to reach people, love people, greet people. And I remember Joe was today, he was back there and he was like, he was getting frustrated because he couldn't put the, the pipe and drape together and, and he was trying to do it on his own and he was like, it's crazy what, what community does because the moment you passed by, all my frustration left because all I had to do was this. Hey, can you help me put this up? And that what was taking him 30 minutes took two seconds and a whole lot less frustration because he was able to humble himself and said, I need help. Some of us need to just humble ourselves, look to God, and say, God, I need your help. Some of us need to humble ourselves and look to the people that God has put alongside of us and say, I need help. The scripture says pride leads to arguments, but humble, be humble, take advice, and become wise. James says, and he gives grace generously. 
as the scriptures say, God opens, up, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What does that say? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. One of the greatest things that we can do to detoxify ourselves is to say, I choose the path of humility instead of the slippery slope of arrogance. Can we say that together? I choose, I have to choose the path of humility instead of the slippery slope of arrogance. The Bible says that pride comes before the fall. When you see someone falling, typically it comes from their pride because they are unwilling to ask someone for help. They were unwilling to submit themselves unto the Lord. And, and let me tell you, I've been there. I don't preach at you. Trust me, I've been there. There have been times that I know I lost an argument and I kept fighting that argument. Why? Because of pride. Don't act like you haven't done it either. You know you were lost. Like you're in the middle of the argument and your spouse says something and you know you lost. You're like, dang, they got me. You think it inside, right? But because of your pride. But still. What? What is it about but still that just changes everything? But still. What do you mean but still? That, that ends all arguments. It's apparently you won if you say, yeah, but listen, this and this and But still. Right? Because our pride doesn't let us say, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. This is going to make me a better person. Amen? Last one. Number five, write this down. These, again, five things that I just believe that if we, if we allow them to get on the depths of our soul, it'll constantly be nagging at us. And I just want this year to be a year where we say, hey, man, I'm not going to allow these things things that wage war against my soul, these fleshly desires, these worldly desires that get in on the inside of me and they just disrupt my rest and I'm at peace and I'm at rest and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just, I'm focused and, I, and all of a sudden something comes up and it offends me, something comes up and now I'm full of pride. I'm not going to get, something comes up and now I'm, I'm comparing myself with other people. Something comes up and now I'm angry and they get so deep on the inside of you that you start becoming someone you were never meant to be in the first place. And now you look at people and you start, you start talking from that position. You start saying, well, this is who I am. No, that's not who you are. You are not meant to be angry because anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And God created you for you to produce his righteousness. <laughs> no, you're, you're not supposed to compare yourself and covet what someone else has. It's for you to be satisfied with your portion. No, but I got offended. You don't know what they did. No, forgive. You're not meant to deal with unforgiveness in your heart. You're not meant to deal with, be living with the toxin of bitterness in the depths of your soul and you're wondering why the things that we do sometimes in life, they just don't work out, they don't pan out. And you're here trying to fix a problem that really started all the way down here. Are you hearing me? And you're here trying to deal with the symptom God is saying, no, you don't understand. It, it's, it's actually here. You're in the wrong place. And the fifth one is secret sin. Proverbs chapter 28, look what it says. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. Watch this, watch this, watch this. I love the buts in the Bible. Can I get, I don't know what's happening to my mic. I love the buts in the Bible. It says, people who conceal their sin will not prosper. But if they confess, but if they confess and turn from them, 
they shall receive mercy. You know why people are scared to confess their sin? And you know why we have a bunch of people that are just keeping their, they're keeping their secret because there are people that are not prepared to receive their secret. What? You did what? Oh my God. But you have two confessions to make. One of them is to God. One of them is saying, God, here, here it is. You already know it anyway. The woman at the well, he says, you have five husbands. What is he trying to say? He's trying to expose you? No, he's trying to say, hey, man, I already know. <laughs> I already know you only have five. I, I know you have five husbands. I know that the one that you're living with right now is not yours. I know. And we, we're, we're trying to hide our sin from God, and God is saying, oh, I see that. You, you ever see, you, you ever try to play hide and seek? And for some reason, one of your kids, they try to hide and they think they're incognito. Daddy don't see me. I don't see you, okay. And I kind of picture God that way. All right. I don't see you. And God is saying, if you confess your sins and turn away from them, there's some secret sins that we've been hiding and they have been tormenting our soul. They have been disrupting our pattern of rest. That we come to church and we receive the message, but there are some sins deep in our soul that we just, we're living with and they're destroying us from the inside out. And God is saying, man, I'm waiting for you to, I see you. It's all right, I see you. And God is waiting for you to say, God, I, I've sinned against you. And the two, it's not only confessing to God, it's confessing to one another. Look what James says. Can we put James? It says, confess your sins to what? And pray for, so that you may be, what? He says, there's something about confessing to someone else that heals you on the inside. I want to be the kind of church where people are not afraid to say, Pastor Roe, I've messed up. Sister Lisa, I've messed up. I dropped the ball. I sinned. I did something I shouldn't have been done. And without afraid of being judged and condemned. Why? Because there is a but. Yes, you have sinned, but if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus will forgive you because he already know, knew you were going to do it in the first place. And he forgives you even before you ever committed it in the first place. Maybe you're dealing with secret sin in your life today. Maybe you haven't shared it with no one today. And God is saying, hey, I'm just waiting for you to come behind that little table that's really not hiding you. I could see you there. But I also want to connect you with certain people that you can be transparent with. And so this is the last one. I have to choose to live a life of transparency instead of a life of secrecy. I don't hear myself on the monitors anymore. Give me a little bit more. I have to live a life of transparency instead of a life of secrecy. The enemy loves what's in secret because he can use it against you. But the moment your sins are confessed before God, and they're be confessed before the people that God has placed in your life. Let me tell you, the enemy has no power, no authority in your life. And you can live a life where your soul is completely cleansed. Your soul is completely pure before God. Nothing can disrupt the pattern of rest that have been placed in your heart. Can anyone relate to this prayer? Listen to this. This is a man that wrote this prayer, and I think I could relate to this prayer. He says, Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. So far I've done all right. 
I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy. I haven't been grumpy. I haven't been selfish. I haven't been nasty. I haven't been overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get up out of this bed. And then from then on, I'm going to need your help. I'm good. I'm good. But I know the moment I wake up and start working and dealing with people, I'm going to be offended. I'm going to be tempted to be angry. I'm going to compare myself with others. I'm going to have secrets in that I don't want to share with anyone. That I'm going to be prideful to act out. I'm good. I need God's help. And this is where the message begins. That was just my introduction. Jesus says, come to me. In Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me. Do we have that scripture? Come to me. All who are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And what does he say? Learn from me. Learn from me. Learn from me. And I will give you rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You know what he's saying? He's saying my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And an when he says my yoke, there was the term there is an ox. An ox would wrap a yoke around its neck. And what they would do is that they will go through the farm. And they would deal with, it would use to, to toil the ground, the ox. And what they would do is they would take a big ox, probably look like me, and they would take a smaller ox. And what they noticed was that the bigger ox would lead the smaller ox. But they got, see, because if they put two ox the same size together, both of them would, could break apart. And both of them would get in each other's way. And what Jesus is saying is, is, take my yoke. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm the bigger ox. Watch. And they would take a big ox and they put it with a smaller ox and they would get double time the work. Because the bigger ox would do the heavy lifting. And the smaller ox only had to go along for the ride. So Jesus is saying, hey, do you need help for your soul? Come to me if you're heavy burdened. Come to me if you are worn out. Come to me. Why? Because I'm the bigger ox. And I will do the heavy lifting. And I will put you alongside of me. And you can walk with me. Watch me. Learn. Follow my way. And I will do all the work through you. Oh, you got anger problems? It's not really anger problems. It's that you're dealing with the burden of anger. Let me carry that load upon me. Take my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Can anyone in this place know a savior that has lifted up their weight, that has lifted up and placed it upon their shoulders? Give me your anger. Come. Give me your resentment. Come. Give me your pride. Come. Give me your unforgiveness. Come and take my yoke. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is life. And let me take your burden. And let me take your anger. And let me take your comparison and jealousy and envy and ego and pride. Let me take your secret sins. Let me carry it so that you won't have to. You don't have to live with a soul that is constantly up and down with emotions. You can be settled. You can be at peace. You can be at rest. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. 
If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.